Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Monday edition, rare Monday edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen, especially during football and basketball seasons. But here we are on a Monday night. Have a show, I believe, every single day this week. 704-570-1110. And, oh, we don't have a show every day. What day, what day do we not have a show? Uh, Wednesday night because uh, UNC basketball, oh. 7 o'clock versus Tennessee. Well, I guess I need, to text, I guess I need to text back that special guest that I asked to join me in studio Wednesday night. So there you go. <laughs> uh, so maybe we'll see what happens later in the week. All right, 704-570-1110. That's the telephone number because I know – you guys were calling Winterbull and want to talk about maybe, maybe you want to talk about it. I don't know. The Carolina Panthers. So I talked about it with Winterbull earlier today, 3 o'clock. I'm going to be on with Bo and Beth tomorrow morning along with Tom Sorensen. Um, Tom will join us at 9.30 to talk about this. But I do want to give you my, my unfiltered take on this. Without anyone asking questions and, or anything else, I want to just go straight on my thoughts on all this. Now, and I know it'll probably be brought up tomorrow morning, and rightly so, because been, I've been on WFNZ for the last month and WBT here on Bo's show, and they always ask me the question, do you think say, Frank Reich is safe? And I kept saying unequivocally, yes, he is definitely safe. Like, he's probably going to get two years because, you know, David Tepper would understand Frank Reich had nothing to do with putting this god-awful offensive line together and very little to do with those wide receivers who are just atrocious outside of Adam Thielen. You can't count on Jonathan Mingo because he's a rookie, and most rookie wide receivers, yes, there are some that have big-time breakout seasons like Puka Nakua with the Rams and a couple others. But by and large, receivers take two to three years to really come into their own. More often than not, 80% of them, maybe even 85% of them, take at least two to three years to come into their own, sort of like a quarterback. Learn how to read the routes, run the routes the exact precise way, be able to read the defenses, everything else. It takes a while. So that's why I thought that Tepper would not fire Reich. That's exactly why I thought it. It's because he didn't put this offense together. And also you have to ask yourself, and I know people love to make the comparison, and I heard a national sports talk show host earlier today on SiriusXM talk about, oh my gosh, Bryce Young, da 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 look at what C.J. Stroud is doing. Okay. C.J. Stroud has an actual offensive line. He has a receiver that's a rookie that's way better than anyone on the Carolina Panthers in Tate Nell. He's a stud, and he's way better than anyone, maybe with the exception of Adam Thielen. Like, Adam Thielen's a nice possession receiver. He's the guy that you get for a 10-yard reception. That's it. He's not running down the field or anything. But 
I thought all along, and I've been saying all along, that Scott Fitter, the general manager, he was the one that might be in trouble. If anyone's going to lose their job, it might be Scott Fitterer because he's the one that drafted a lot of these players and made the trades and everything else. Now, granted, some of these trade these trades aren't happening without David Tepper's okay. You know, getting rid of Christian McCaffrey, okay. Panthers needed to do that. Like, the Panthers, where they were, Christian McCaffrey, they were only going to win five or six games with Christian anyway, and they won five or six games, actually five, five games, five games, seven games without him. So, I didn't have a problem with the whole Christian McCaffrey trade. It made sense, and it still makes sense. Because, I mean, think about what Christian McCaffrey would be doing on this team right now. Nothing. Nothing. Except maybe blowing out another hamstring. So, with all that being said, yeah, I'm extremely surprised. I talked to some people around the NFL, people that I know at uh, other reporters, other people in front offices in the NFL across the league, And they were all extremely surprised. All of them. They were all surprised that Frank Wright got fired and that if anyone got fired, it wasn't Fitterer. Here's generally what happens. So the report came out earlier this morning that David Tepper is extremely happy with the defense and extremely happy with special teams. Hence, Chris Tabor being named interim head coach, and he's the head of the special teams. Now, before you peep, some people freak out about that. There have been plenty of people that have been in special teams backgrounds and then went on to become interim coaches and did extremely well. So that's not that big of a deal. I believe the last one being with the Raiders. So, but most people thought, here's what's going to happen. You bring in Frank Reich, the offenses. It's rudimentary. I've been saying that for a while, that it's a very basic and generic type offense, and it doesn't cause defenses to really have to game plan trying to figure out coverages and motions and everything else. It's like, oh, it's just a basic offense. Okay. And with that being said, I thought that maybe they would go to Frank Reich, talking about David Tepper and the GM, and go, look, You have to bring in a new offensive coordinator. You have to do something. You have to bring in a new offense. you got to get rid of some of these people and bring in a new offense because whatever offense you've got is clearly not working considering the Panthers are either last, next to last, or third to last in every single damn category there is statistically on offense. It's just the way it is. So I thought maybe they would say, you've got to bring in someone new. And usually that's a last-ditch effort to try and save a job. And it happens all the time in college, and it happens all the time in the pros. More times in college, actually, than the pros, but it still happens. And the change is always made. Always made. Because the coach has given the ultimatum. Bring in a new offensive coordinator or a new defensive coordinator or look for a new job. Well, everyone wants to save their job, and you know, they say, hey, it's nothing personal, it's just business. I'm sorry, i got to let you go. That didn't even happen. That didn't even come close to happen. It was gone. And you heard about the report yesterday, Joe Person from The Athletic. David Tepper, after the game, leaves the locker room. And I heard some other national sports people today go, well, who was he yelling at? Like, shouldn't he, should he be in the locker room yelling at people? He wasn't in the locker room yelling at people. He had exited the locker room. And as no one else in the history uh, of you guys out there listening – have none of you ever just yelled out in frustration to no one in particular? 
like in your car, in your house, on um, an athletic field, wherever. A grocery store, because there's 87 people trying to get checked out and there's only two lanes open. Like, I yell out that word all the time in frustration. So he was, he'd left the locker room. He wasn't saying it to anyone in particular. He just said it as like, good God. But he didn't say that. He said something else, obviously. Another set of four-letter word begins with the letter F. Been there, done that a million times. I, I probably did it today at Harris Teeter. So that's why I'm surprised. And a lot of the people that I spoke to, like I said today, that are in media that cover other NFL teams and people that actually work for other NFL teams in the front office were taken aback by this. They're like, they're a little all caught off guard. But I'll also tell you this. David Tepper, and a lot of people are going going to town on David Tepper, and I get it. Hey, I get it. But at the exact same point, you need to remember this. And I don't know how many of you guys are big Yankee fans or and go back far, go back deep. When he died, George Steinbrenner was extremely beloved with the New York Yankee fans. But all through the 70s, all through the 80s, and almost all through the 90s, a lot of people disliked George Steinbrenner immensely because he kept firing managers. He had the itchy trigger finger, and he kept firing. He famously fired Billy Martin five times. Five times. The same guy. Five times. So this is what, you know, and George Steinbrenner would go out and get the big shiny free agents and do what he had to do. And it generally never worked out until he finally started to try to build within instead of going out. And that's when they did the Derek Jeter. And, uh, yeah, they brought in some free agents. But my point is, you know, they're big studs. Marnie Rivera, Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit. They were all internal. Came through the minors. So that's who I equate David Tepper to, the George Steinbrenners. If David Tepper wins two Super Bowls, Every single one of you who dislike him now will love him. Oh, my God, you know, he's so aggressive. He never settles for anything. He always wants the best. He only wants to win. That's all he cares about. He's not worried about money like the previous owner. The previous owner was extremely concerned about money, immensely concerned about money. Not this one. The previous owner didn't want to go out and sign big free agents at all. At all. And they held that mantra for... Gosh, 23 years? 24 years? That's the way they did it? So I do believe David Tepper wants to win. And he also said this, and I'll never forget this. In one of his early press conferences after the Ron Rivera thing, and we were asking him, and there was an invitation only to sit down at a round table with him at Bank of America Stadium. And I was one of the ones that got the invitation, one of the media members that got the invitation. And I was two people down from him, and there was like, I don't know, 20 people in this room. And I was in there. And we were talking to him about his philosophy and mistakes or whatever. And he said, the worst thing a person can do in the world of business is if you make a mistake to keep holding on to it, hoping that it turns out for the better because you're worried about trying to save face. 
He said the best thing you can do is rip the Band-Aid off, get rid of it, and start all over again. And to that end, that's what he's done with Matt Rule. He lasted two and a half years in a seven-year contract. And now Frank Reich, I believe he had a five-year contract, and he had one year. He, he didn't even make one year. He made 11 games. So I don't think – I know he's going to be the easy target. But just remember, under the previous owner, they never had back-to-back winning seasons either. And people forget the George Seifert era and when they got rid of a general manager and they didn't think they needed to hire a general manager because they were going to do all the drafting internally. After they, got, after they fired Bill Polian, of all people, or got rid of Bill Polian. So it's not like the previous owner was you know, all sunshine and roses. People tend to forget, forget all that. There were a lot of lean years with this Carolina Panthers team. A lot of lean years. Not just over the last four or five. All right, when we come back, if you want to call in, please do. 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You gotta keep them separated. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen, going up until 8 o'clock. All right, so a couple things about the Frank Reich era. First coach in NFL history to be fired in back-to-back seasons. Fourth coach, the fourth shortest tenure for a coach at a new team in NFL history. Meaning, you know, you coach, coach, you go to a new team, and boom, boom, you're fired. In the, his, in, the, in the NFL is like about 100 years, whatever it is. Almost 100 years, right at 100 years old. It's the fastest a coach has been fired with a new team in the NFL since 1978. When the 49ers fired their coach nine games into the season, into this first year. So we're talking about, we're talking about a situation that is rather, I won't say unprecedented because it has happened, but it's exceptionally uncommon. And David Tepper is holding a press conference tomorrow morning at 1030. And I will be there. I will do Bo and Beth. And then I will leave here at 10.02 and head my way to the stadium to be right there waiting for everything to happen. Because it is going to be extremely interesting. Because I know, I can already tell you some of the questions that are going to happen. I mean, I already know some of the questions. Why Frank Reich and not Scott Fitterer? Why didn't you give Frank Reich an extra year to see what was happening? Are you the George Steinbrenner? Although most people, because it's the NFL, and it's a, it's a very bad analogy. It's not a good analogy. But he'll say, they'll say, you know, basically, do you consider yourself to be like Daniel Snyder of the Washington Redskins slash commander slash football team? 
That's a bad analogy. It really is. It's not. I don't think they're apropos. Um, but those are some going to be some of the things. Is Scott Fitterer's job on the hot uh, on the hot seat? That's another question. It'll be. Oh, here's an, here's another question that they're going to ask. I guarantee you this. Whose decision was it to take Bryce Young? Even though C.J. Stroud at this exact same team might in the exact same offense might have two wins, maybe might have two wins, maybe. But but he ain't six and five like he is now. I promise you that. Not with this team and that offensive line and those receivers. Not even close. And that offense. Whose idea was it to take Bryce Young and trade up to Bryce Young? Was that you or Scott Fitterer? Because there are reports out there by quite a few people that Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud. A lot of reports out there. He just liked not necessarily the passing any better, not the ability to process things quicker, but the size. C.J. Stroud's a big dude. Bryce Young is truly smaller than I am. He weighs less than I do. I'm 192. He's about 188, 187. And I'm 5'11 and a half, and Bryce Young is 5'10 and a half. So he's an inch shorter and five pounds lighter. I cannot imagine myself playing quarterback. No, granted, I couldn't imagine myself playing quarterback in the SEC either, but, you know, whatever. So those are going to be some of the questions that are going to be asked tomorrow. Rest assured, they're going to ask about C.J. Stroud. They're going to ask about Scott Fitterer. They're going to ask about why they didn't give him an extra year. They're going to ask him if he's the George Steinbrenner or does he meddle too much, things like that. That's exactly what they're going to talk to him about. And I don't know if tomorrow's press conference will be 15 minutes or 45 minutes. I have no idea. I'm hoping that it will be at least 30 minutes tomorrow. The fact that they were supposed to have their press conference today and they pushed it till tomorrow morning makes me think that it will be because the Panthers are always off on Tuesdays. There's no media access on Tuesdays. Well, tomorrow is press conference day, and they did not allow media access today. By the way, Tabor, who's your new interim head coach, he's the one, by the way, who fired the two assistant coaches today. Steve Wilkes did the same thing last year. When he took over, he immediately got rid of some people, and Chris Tabor got rid of Deuce Staley and uh, McCown. So tomorrow morning should be interesting, that's for sure. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So obviously the Tapper situation going on with the Carolina Panthers is big news today all over the place, not just here in Charlotte. It's been big news nationally, especially even after coming off you know, the holiday weekend with games on three games on Thursday, a game on Friday, then all the games yesterday, and then you got the game tonight. So even with all that going on, the Panthers still made the big news today. 
Let's go to the phones and we bring in Ed and Charlotte. Thanks for calling, Ed. I appreciate it, bud. Yeah, uh, I just want to say that I I don't agree with hardly anything Tepper's done up till now, but I think Tepper did the right thing to, on this, and I'll t- tell you why. Um, and Wright, you know, he's had success as a head coach other places, but here's the thing: he when he came in here and and before the season, they really started crowing about how they had fixed the, had the coaches, like you said, great coaches coming in, and how they'd fixed the offensive line and. You know the offensive line did good late late last year. He as he pointed out with the run, we were running on people. But that was when we had an interim coach that is now the defensive head, I believe, out there at San Francisco, who's nine and one. And Tepper did not pick him, and obviously the players responded to him, in my opinion. So I feel like that uh, that that you know they they talked up such a great preseason. That they had solved a lot of the problems, and they obviously haven't. You got the number one running back, uh, free agent, and the guy in the first two or three games. You realize he can't get past the line of scrimmage. Well, and I and I appreciate the phone call, Ed. Uh, but there are a couple of things. So when you look at Miles Sanders, yeah, he's having a difficulty time run, had a difficult time running. Didn't have a difficult time running last year, did he? Oh, that's right, because there's an offensive line there. And Chuba, you look at Chuba Hubbard's numbers. It's not exactly great either. But they do use him a little bit more because he can catch more because it's constantly second and nine, third and seven, every single freaking series, it seems like. So it is a problem. It is a problem. And, you know, and I will also tell you this not hiring Steve Wilkes, I had 0.0 issues with that. You knew you were going to have a new quarterback, you needed. An offensive coach. That's where the game goes. Yes, D'Amico Ryans is having a great success down there in Houston. That's great. But every time their offensive coordinator gets hired, they're going to have to do something new offensively or whatever. That's the problem. And if you hire an offensive coach who installs his own offense, like in Miami or other places, like then it's not an issue because coaches can come and go and the offense is going to remain the same. The the L.A. Chargers right now, they're on a new offensive coordinator because they're all the one they didn't think was doing very good. Well, guess what? That coach is about to get fired. And that's a defensive head coach. <clears throat> and so there are – I had no problem. In, in today's NFL, you almost have to hire an offensive-minded head coach. You just almost – especially if you've got a young quarterback. You almost have to do that. And so I didn't – I didn't have the problem with not hiring Steve Wilkes, but I can tell you, you know, a lot of people here really wanted him to be hired because, you know, he's at West Charlotte and Johnson C. Smith and App State. I get all that. I get all that. But this isn't a fairy tale. This is the NFL. This is business. And I didn't have a, like I said, I didn't have a problem with that. Now, I can tell you, a lot of people were surprised that they hired Frank Reich. They're going, I'm sorry, who? You mean the guy that was just fired at Indianapolis? And I was one of the ones that defended Frank Wright going, he had five different starting quarterbacks in five years, and most of them were of AARP age. Matt Ryan got him off the scrap heap. Phillip Rivers got him off the scrap heap. Andrew Lux, last year in the NFL, he was broken and couldn't play. You had... 
a lot of players on that roster that just couldn't play. And somehow they managed to do okay, and he left that franchise with a running, winning record, remarkably. So I thought, okay, come to Carolina, get a little stability with your quarterback for the first time in his career, and let's see what happens. Because he was the offensive coordinator when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. And when he left, that's when the Eagles and Carson Wentz started going down the toilet, and a lot of people thought, oh, he was the reason why the Eagles were so good, not Doug Peterson. Well, it turns out that obviously may not be the case. Doug Peterson is doing extremely fine in Jacksonville, thank you very much, last year than this year. So I tend to think that they're going to hire someone young, whether it's somebody out of like Detroit Lions, the Miami Dolphins, the Rams, the 49ers. Someone who has an offense that's really good. Maybe even Philadelphia. I don't know. We'll see. I know the Philadelphia offensive coordinator was up for quite a few jobs last year also. John in Huntersville. Thanks for calling, John. I appreciate it, bud. Hey, Brad. I thought I'd call in an armchair quarterback with you for a few moments. Uh, hey, I'd like to uh, um, carry on with what you said about it being a professional. Uh, this is the NFL, and it's professional. Uh, on the coach hiring. And last year, if I recall correctly, they were playing poorly. And uh, this hometown uh, this hometown uh, fella got uh, ascended to being head coach, and then they got rid of them. And now they're back to one and ten, one and whatever it is. And, and going on your point, this is the NFL. This is an organization. This is the big league. Well, they had a guy that was being very successful. If, if he's defensive-minded, then surround him with tools. He's the, he's the guy on the battlefield. So you give him good tools that can carry out the mission so he can be the general patent. And he was doing that last year, taking over for a losing coach and then being dismissed, and now we got another losing coach. Well, I will and, say uh, this, though. It doesn't matter who you have at head coach with this offensive line and these wide receivers. It didn't matter if you had Vince Lombardi as a head coach. This team was not going to be good this year, period. The defense is completely fine. The defense is totally fine. Special teams are totally fine. Those are two playoff caliber sides of the ball. Playoff caliber defense, playoff caliber special teams. The offense is so atrocious that it's bringing down the rest of the team. I mean, you look at how how many points the other teams are scoring. It's generally not a lot, especially considering how much that defense is having to be on the field because the offense can't do sustained drives. And like I said, especially when you're bringing in a young quarterback and you're bringing in, you know, someone, you know, when you're bringing in a young quarterback and you're going to be grooming him for a long time, that's not Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes was defense. This defense is fine. You needed someone that was going to be here long term, five, six, seven years, to try and groom this quarterback. And that you generally don't have that with a defensive head coach. You just don't because the coordinators continue to rotate. Brett, let me post a couple questions in the closing uh, closing segments if you got the time. Sure. They uh, is is I have always been I have always uh, thought about uh, Dallas Cowboys owner getting getting down in the weeds, but he's the owner and it's his money, so he that's how I look at these guys that own these teams. But it, is our Panthers owner getting down in the weeds too much to a point that it's detrimental? Because he is spending a lot of money 
on some things that just aren't working out. And well, to, to answer your question, to, John, to answer your question, the answer to that would be most people generally believe that is 100% the case, that he's too hands-on and that he's not letting the football people be football people. That is totally what people believe. Now, whether or not it's true or not, I don't know, but I can tell you that's the overriding sentiment, that he's too hands-on. It's perception. Well, and it may be true. I mean, it may be 100% true. I, I just don't know, but I can tell you there are a lot of reports out there saying that is the case. Well, Brad, great job. I appreciate your time, buddy. Anytime. Hey, don't be a stranger, John. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of reports are saying. Like I said, the reports are saying that he's the one that wanted Bryce Young, not C.J. Stroud. And there were reports out there saying that Frank Reich actually really wanted C.J. Stroud and not Bryce Young for a lot of reasons. As a matter of fact, so much so that we were asking Frank Reich about that leading up to the draft. And he tried to downplay that. No, you know, quarterback's a quarterback and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Um, but again, i got to be honest with you. They could have C.J. Stroud here, and I don't think much anything is different. You might have one more win. That's about it. It's, I mean, seriously, that's about it. This team, this offense, that offensive designing is truly truly bad. I mean, think about this. The the Panthers, since their bye week, haven't scored more than 15 points in a game. Do you know how bad that is? And if it weren't for the New York Jets, the New York Giants, and the New England Patriots, thank gosh those, two, those three teams, Boston, New York, and New York, are taking all the heat off the Panthers. No one's noticing how bad this offense is because all the world's media is up in the New England area, New England, Boston, and New York. So, anyways. All right, when we come back, a few more things, and we'll send you off into the night. And, by the way, can you imagine? It's going to get down to the 20s? What in the holy hell? I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. A few more minutes here going up until 9 o'clock, 7 or excuse me, 8 o'clock, 704-570-1110. Got to get to a Toys for Tots function coming up in about, oh, I got to leave here. It started at 6 o'clock. Got to leave here, get there. Should still be going. Um, okay. Thanksgiving. You know, it's, uh, haven't spoken to you guys since Wednesday. So here we are. And did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? I know people go, oh, yeah, we had a nice one. Not everyone has nice Thanksgivings. Let's be honest. A lot of people don't like sitting next to the cousins or the aunts or the uncles or the in-laws. A lot of people hate that. And so, uh, but, yeah, if you ask them, oh, yeah, it was fine. It was good. No, I had a good time. It was nice seeing family. Yeah, okay. How much did you have to drink? That's always the question. How much did you have to drink to get through it? And so, you know, the Thanksgiving that I had was non-eventful. It was me driving to Gastonia and being with mom. 
having lunch there, spending $25 for the smallest plate of food you have ever seen in your entire life. $25. Bucks. For $25, because they didn't have any like true Thanksgiving desserts, and it was none of the desserts that I was interested in. And I love, like, you have to understand, I have the world's biggest sweet tooth. I'll eat just about any dessert or any sweet. And these were like, I was like, eh. But I had green beans, turkey, mac and cheese for $25. You know why I didn't have mashed potatoes and gravy? They didn't serve it. Who doesn't serve mashed potatoes and gravy on Thanksgiving? Who doesn't have gravy on Thanksgiving? No, I'm sorry. I didn't have green beans. I had stuffing mac and cheese because, you know, loaded up on the cards, apparently. Stuffing mac and cheese and turkey. That's what I had for $25 on a plate that maybe eight inches in diameter, maybe eight inches. Maybe. So, it was, uh, but hey. So, I did that and was back in Charlotte by 2 o'clock. And then from there, uh, did a couple other, had like two more Thanksgivings and hung out with friends or whatever, but... Yeah, I just I always find that humorous because Thanksgiving's growing up was always really awkward at my house. Not a lot of talking. It was just very horrible chit chat, small talk. Because it was the two grandparents. Every once in a while, and it's the same. It was the same thing with Christmas. You'd have an uncle. Both, you know, both of the uncles are extreme overachievers academically. Like, one actually founded something that is as basic to psychology as Pavlov's theory is now. And he's and his theory is, like, world famous now. And that's one of my uncles in, came up with this theory in the 70s. Um, have you ever heard of the term intrinsic motivation? That's my uncle. That's pretty cool. That's my uncle. So, it's a very... It's a very, it was always difficult and very little talking. Um, and I generally would only speak unless spoken to. And if you know me, that's so unlike me. But it was just like, just, it was just awkward. And, and the aunt would always bring over the jello with the horrible fruit in it, like grapes and peaches and whatever, and orange slices. And no one would ever eat it, but they would put it on their plate just to be nice. <laughs> I'm just See, honestly, I think it's a little more rude to put it on your plate and not eat it because by the end of the meal, you can sort of pretend that maybe you did and it, you know, the remnants are left on the. Yeah, but you've got to actually act like, I mean, you've got to show that something has been taken out of this bowl of jello. Yeah. And it was always green jello with the fruit the grapes, the orange slices, the peaches, the pears, whatever, that you just got out of a canned fruit. And so, but that was our, that was my, all my Thanksgivings growing up. Look, the food was always great. The turkey, the mashed potatoes, everything was always homemade. You know, we didn't do macaroni and cheese because my whole family came from the north. So they did traditional butternut squash, not yellow squash. You know, the traditional, 
the tr- what you would see on um, the pilgrims' tables in theory. That's what we had, you know. And then later on, much later on, no, actually, I take that back. I was going to say we had green bean casserole, but that was always, or excuse me, broccoli casserole, but that was always Christmas Eve. So I take that back. So Thanksgiving was always just very traditional. And they would always have the football games on going on in the den so you could hear the football games because I grew up, thankfully, in a family that was obsessed with sports as much as I was, um, including my grandmother. And so, yeah, it was, uh, so, but now that everyone has either passed away and my brothers moved to Philadelphia, it was just me and mom. And so, you know, it's funny how you go from a table of seven, eight, nine, to now it's a table of two. And that's the way it is, because everyone else has passed away, with the exception of my brother, of course, who has moved to Philadelphia and has his wife and stepchild and all that stuff. So... I don't know. It was just a, you know, it was just it was just a normal meal, to be perfectly honest with you. It was. It felt like I was. I had been at that exact same place at my mom's a week and a half earlier, and it felt essentially the exact same. Didn't really feel like a holiday, if that makes any sense. So. So yeah, but it was fine. I mean, it was it was totally fine. Nothing bad happened. Nothing like that. Everything was cool, minus the $25 for a plate that is the size of my hand. The size of my hand. I was like, all right. I didn't know I was at Del Frisco's. All right, appreciate it. Or Ruth's Chris. All right, everyone, look. Um, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow will be a normal show. I've got Bo and Beth in the morning. I've got David Tepper. The press conference starting at 1030. So, obviously, we're going to play a lot of that in great detail tomorrow night. Not, not the whole show, but a lot of it. Wednesday, I'm off. We got a Carolina basketball game. Thursday, we'll be here. Friday, we'll be here. So we've got all this stuff going down. So instead of, uh, instead of having Monday off this week because of the basketball, I've got Wednesday off this week. So look forward to having you join me the rest of the week. And there's a lot of, I can tell you this, without telling you what I'm working on, obviously, but there's a couple of things that I'm working on that are pretty big. Like, actually really big. So we'll talk about that, hopefully, as maybe the week progresses. We'll see. All right, everyone, have a great night. We'll look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.